You should be the host here. I'm really laughing at you. We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Welcome along to episode 15 of the Red 78, your one-stop shop for everything monster rugby here on the Rugby Channel. I'm Alan Quinlan, and alongside me always is Neve Briggs. How are you, Neve? Not too bad, Quinny. Uh, good weekend, Munster win. Tottenham didn't lose because the game was postponed. And uh, yeah, we had uh, a tough loss against Railway in the AIL, so mixed weekend, mixed weekend. Mixed weekend, so you were drawn on your sorrows on Saturday, were you? Uh, no, not, not, no, game's at five o'clock. Pubs are closed at eight, Quinny, come on. Yeah, so you couldn't you couldn't go out and celebrate. We'll go through the match in a minute anyway, the Monster game. So um, if you want to get involved, you can tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 or leave a comment wherever you're watching this across the rugby social media pages. And make sure you get to make sure you get the podcast straight to your phone, just search the Red 78 wherever you get your podcasts and pre-subscribe. So uh, we spoke last week about um, improvement against Ulster, uh, grittiness, guts, uh, determination, work rate, all that kind of stuff, which got him over the line in the Ulster game uh, with 14 men for 65 minutes. And how is going to be a difficult game going to cast the history between Munster and Cass and, and the challenge that presented itself? What did you make of, uh, obviously, for anyone that doesn't know, Munster won the game 16-13, right at the end, Gavin Coombs try. Um, what did you make of the overall performance and some critics out there saying, well, we saw more more of the, you know, the same lack of accuracy, um, too many errors, too many mistakes, but they got there in the end. Is that a good sign of a team? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think over the last couple of weeks, we've seen a big reaction in terms of an uh, ability to dig in um, after that kind of game, you know. Um, I think that that's a really good sign of a squad that, you know, might not be playing unbelievably well, but are, are managing to dig out wins. And a couple of things. So, like, we spoke last week about how difficult it was going to be going down to cast in terms of how negative and how much they try and negate how you play. And and, and they did that, like, very, very well, to be fair to them. The pitch was also appalling um, and made it really difficult. But I actually saw chinks of light. I, I liked the fact that they tried it. I was frustrated that the execution obviously wasn't where it needed to be. But I liked the fact, you know, that they had a couple of incidents. I liked the scandal crossfield kick to Earls. Um, and on the flip side, um, the next phase, you know, Crowley kicks across the Conway and only for he has to check his, his run. That's a 2v1 with O'Mahony against the prop for, for Castro. So, you know, and, and scandal had a Definitely had a few uh, half breaks, which couldn't capitalise getting anybody else into that kind of passing channel to support them. Farrell had a, a very, very good game and, and obviously Coombs as well. So for me, though, the big thing was that they played with a little bit more tempo and pace that we hadn't really seen them play with. And um, so I think that that's definitely an, an improvement. Does Jack Crowley dictate that we play with that pace? Maybe he does. I thought Murray, you know, we were so used to seeing him slowing the thing down that... He was just literally firing the ball out and he, I thought he had a really good game. So, yeah, look, inaccuracies, <clears throat> poor execution at times, you know, a lot of knock-ons, especially in and around that contact zone. They're easy fixes for me and the fact that they look to push passes and, and have options out the back was was definitely a, an improvement from 
some of the games we've seen this season. But but are they easy fixes? I think um, my take on the performance probably was it was it was a frustrating watch and um, it was difficult. Cast made it difficult. Didn't really want to play a lot of rugby themselves. I think when they got their try and went ahead in the first half after a promising start for Munster, I think they were. Their so main goal was to just try and slow the game down and frustrate Monster and kick it a lot. Um, Rory Cockett came on early in the game and um, he seemed to do that a lot. And you know, after conceding the try, Monster just kind of had a flat period and made a lot of errors and mistakes. The, the big concern for me is is the lineout. Um, I know Niall Scandal went off and Dermot Barron came on, and you, I don't think you can blame the hooker. I think. Some of it was maybe execution of throw, but I think they were just a little bit sluggish in, the, in their, their their lifting and where the ball was called in the lineout. And they're the kind of things that jump out for people watching the game. When you get into a good position, you kick into the corner and then you lose the lineout. We know it can happen, but there was three or four for Munster the other night that they, they made a lot of difficult situations for themselves, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. You know, I think set piece is king, especially in these kind of European away games. You know, you look after your set piece and, and they were frustrating because it was in at critical moments when we, you know, we lost the line out. And the flip side of that, I think, you know, I do think a lot of the stuff are easy fixes because I think you look at that try that Castro got, the first one especially, just really intelligent play by Ben Bottega. Haley's in the line, he spots it. There's nobody in behind covering, be it the, the nine or the opposite winger. I just put the chip in and um, very well executed, to be fair to him. And um, so, yeah, look, the, the, the line out definitely at critical times. But when you're, when I when I was playing, I would have been very much like you, Penny. I would have been very frustrated with things. Now that I'm coaching, they seem to have a different hat on in terms of you start to reward or start to get excited about the, the, I suppose, the intent as opposed to the execution um, at times. So I thought Munster went with intent a lot um, at, at, at certain aspects. So we know in Munster's half, they, just, they don't want the ball. They don't want to run the ball anywhere in their own half. They look to kick quite a lot. The previous time for me, though, is that, you know, the first kind of, few games over the season is that when they've got into a player's strike or an opposition strike zone or in around that 22, that we, we continue to go at one hour runners. I think we saw a lot of variation. I think that that's down to Jack Crowley in terms of, you know, passes back on the inside passes that are going behind the back and front running players. Um, is it a case now that players aren't used to getting their hands on the ball that much, that they're almost um, like, you know, it's it's the surprise element and, and they drop it. And I think if you're looking at this week and, and a big focus for them this week has to be living in moments to catch the ball. You can't think about what the defence are going to do. You've got to be able to, you can't, you know, you can't control anything if you don't have the ball. So I think that's got to be a big focus for them, this ball in contact. You've got to be able to mind it better. Um, and, you know, it's those simple errors that allow teams back into the game. And I thought that that, that Munster were much better than cast, but they allowed them back into the game quite a bit. And I think that would be really frustrating. We meant about, we spoke about the reaction at the start. Is it a bit of an overreaction? Are we expecting too much um, 
they've made the knockout stages. They're into their own 16 after three games. I think everyone would have taken that beforehand. Um, and if we look at the three performances, Wasps obviously was a really unique situation. And we saw some brilliant attack there. Cass tried to stifle in Tolman Park and frustrate. They did that. Um, it was scrappy. The atmosphere just died in the game. And this game was, it had similarities. It had that frustrating feel to it. But Gavin Coombe scores a try at the end. I'm, I'm just thinking that we have to give Munster credit and say they're in the knockout stage. They've won three from three. They've won two games on the road. And certainly back when I was playing, if you won two, two games in a road, on the road, away from home, um, it was seen as a brilliant thing. So um, we must take that into consideration. That, but I think still we're not seeing, we're not seeing that kind of spark and that, that those passes sticking and those line breaks. And um, that was ex- probably largely second string cast side and they had COVID cases before the game the other night. So on one hand, we shouldn't go overboard um, and say it's all negative because I think the result is the result. But there is question marks there and there is concerns about the attack, the shape, the cohesion of the team. Um, and that's that's something that, you know, I read some headlines with some people online saying that Munster won't win a trophy this season if they play like that. And, you know, they got very fortunate in the end. Um, maybe it's a little bit harsh, but... I think the players should be pretty proud to get the results as well because, you know, you yes, don't take it for Completely. And look, I, I'm under no illusion. Um, I, I'm not sure that Munster will win uh, a trophy this season only because of the likes of the teams that will be coming up, you know, in, in that knockout stage or the URSC, the likes of the Leinsters and, um, uh, you know, Racing, La Rochelle, Saracens, or not Saracens, uh, Harlequins. Like, these are all really, really good team so I don't think it's tr- I don't think a trophy at the end of the line is, is is something that you know it's not a case of, they definitely won't I just think that it'll be very difficult like if you're if you're coaching this squad now Quinny, like, how do you change that like well how do you make that take that make them more efficient more accurate on the ball well, we don't know. We're not privy to everything they do in training, but I... Um, no, what would you do? Like, What would, what you would do? I do? What would I do? I'd, I'd get the 15 players um, and try and run them as a team in as many sessions as you could all week. And I think back to when I played, when we had games where we lacked a little bit of continuity, I, I, I always thought, and I had these conversations with coaches, we do too much splitting up, forwards going over, doing their bit, which you have to do your different segments. But we just did five, ten minutes of a team run at the end. And, you know, over a number of weeks where we had some difficult performances when I played, I always, that was one thing I just felt that we needed to run as a team more often for a longer period. Whether that be a half an hour and have the coach stop starting saying you're in the wrong place here and a little bit of man management there. I don't know what's happening, but I just think, Sorry, do you think that, that do you think that it's in the attack and structure that it's the it's the fact that they're not in the right place? What's making them it's, drop it's, the I ball? Think, I think at times I think the shape on phase is not good enough. And that's um just different forwards going in different places, getting their lines right, being an option for the ball at the front of the pass and the the, the, the defender or the attacker at the back running properly as well. 
you want to try and fix defenders. And no, at no real stage did we actually execute something that really sent someone away in a line break, a clean line break, and looked like scoring. But look, it's easy for me to say that here, but I just think there is reasons. This team is probably they're probably low on confidence in, and it's based on what we see. It's not what, what, what we're not making this up. If anyone wants to challenge me on that, we, we've seen a team quite blunt in their performances um, on numerous occasions this season. They had such a long break and there's you're lacking a bit of cohesion and, and ability to train. There's a certain number of players and people that there's been a chopping and change with, team, with the team as well. And Johannes had to make changes. But if it was me, I think the quickest way is to try and get a group of players and train them and keep them together as much as you can. That's hard on the other players. And maybe 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 they'd be better this week at home at Thorman Park. But they certainly did, did you... change the point of a contact in the game the other yeah. night. At one stage, they came did... off the back of a line-out, they went up the middle, then they peeled back down the blind and there was guys running lines, but it just broke down. And if you can remember, Mike Haley kind of got picked up and he offloaded the ball. Conor Murray is scrambling back. And it's just easy to defend. So the attack is still a problem. And I think the effort levels out of the players, the work rate is really top notch. And um, defensively, they're, they're very solid and they work their socks off. But so you go back to the question you asked me. Just work on attack more and more and more and more. That's all you can do. I know, but what I'm saying to you is, if you go back and look at the game, like, you know, we've seen Conroy come off his wing to the opposite edge. We see Ernsey slip in on like a small little pop pass off Farrell. He goes through a gap. Like, there's definitely, for me, there was definitely improvements in terms of the ability yeah, to yeah, I agree. get around, I agree. Get, get around, get square and get set early. And, it was just the fact that it was almost like, you know, not trying too hard, but you know the way sometimes you're you're looking to move the ball so much that you know things are breaking down and you can't reset it then because you're still trying to you know keep moving the ball, move the ball, and it's really difficult then to try and for someone then to say, okay, look, look, let's just go two hard pods here, we set it up, we can go again. It was almost just like getting you to reset themselves a small bit. But I definitely do think there was definitely a lot of half small breaks. I think that, and and you're right, that, that Haley won the, the offload. But that's a want and an intent to try and keep the ball alive. Yeah, and we haven't look, really seen that a huge end, amount. At, so I thought, I thought that was an improvement. At the end of the day, if you look at the way Ireland played in November, the accuracy, the lines are running, the pace. Munster have enough of a ball to be able to try and replicate a little bit of that, okay? I'm not saying they have to do it perfectly. Watch Leinster at the weekend. They're playing a very weak in Montpellier side. But one of the things I was at the game um, uh, doing commentary is just the timing, the comfortable timing, the lines they run. And I just think when we when, when I watch Monster at times, it's just they're getting in a bit of a knot. They're getting in each other's way. And sometimes when the passes are on, they're not given that pass. So there's a little bit of confusion yeah. there. Yeah, I, I believe the players themselves have to stay positive. And you know what? Sometimes it just takes a couple of passes sticking and a big performance to get them to the next level. So look, we won't take take it away from going to France, winning any time. You know, we know Castres were weakened, but they were always going to make it difficult. Even if 
no matter who Cash had there, I think it was a game that Munster um, had the ability to win. But they could have made it more comfortable for themselves. Yeah. And at times, Neve, and I think you as a coach will know this, they just look like the work rate is brilliant and they're working hard here in this game on Friday night, taking this standalone. But again, they look like a team that are not, not in control. They give it back too easily. They turn it over. They lose the line out. And I just think they need to, rather than thinking maybe, okay, maybe we're jumping to step four here with the attack, they just need to become a bit more ruthless and, and, and really kind of take it out of the opposition and be more efficient there. And then maybe some space will open up. So, um, there's, yeah, but there's you, need, you just hit the nail on the head there. Sorry, could he interrupt you? Just hit the nail on the head. They've got to be way more efficient. So I think they had four, maybe five, you know, knock-ons in contact. So they've kind of put a couple of phases together, maybe got a half break, soft shoulder, and then they've, they've just they've knocked the ball on in the tackle. That's got to be really frustrating um, for them. So, yeah, look, I think it's small improvements. I think for where this group were, you know, three or four weeks ago against Connacht, um, I think that's probably what you're judging them at the moment because it's basically, you know, two or these this group have had two, maybe one or two games together now. You'd like to think the same group will be playing again next week. That's that's three games on the bounce. When was the last time this group of players, I'm talking about Keith Earls, you know, Andrew Conway, Conor Murray, the, the big players are going to be playing week in, week out. And for me, that's that's a huge thing that we're not really speaking about it much because they looked ring rusty to be fair at times. Yeah, they did. They, there's there's still issues there for sure. The results yeah. um, the results was really good, but it could have very easily. Gavin Coombs comes up at the end, and they showed a lot of character to, to score the try and to get into yeah. that position in the end. But I think it was a game that should have been won a lot earlier. There should have been a lot more control, and they made it really difficult. But credit, they showed character at the end, and. You know, Gavin Coombs gets a try and they get out. How, how good? How good? How good is, is is Coombs coming into form now? Look, he's yeah, phenomenally powerful. He's, yeah. yeah, he is, and I still would like to see a little bit more attitude. I think he's a brilliant player. He's still maturing, um, but so effective. Um, he's he's a brilliant player, but I think there's more, a lot more in him. Um, as a lot of the players, I think you know, Craig Casey coming off the bench was. Um, showed a lot of zip as well. You mentioned Conor Murray. I think he 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 did what he had to do in the game and played really well up to that point. I just think the pack was disjointed at times. Peter O'Mahony had a really good performance and yeah. someone has to kind of step up all the time for this team now. So they're, they're lacking a little bit. If I was to read out all the comments online, there's a mixture. Some are saying, great win, um, great steel, great guts. Um, their backs are to the wall. They got the results. Others are saying it was terrible. So there is a mixture, and that is the mood that's out there. So we're trying to, I suppose, and probably if we, we we probably agree in this, we're somewhere in the middle. There is positives, but there's plenty of negatives as well that you just have to, in professional sport, you have to address and you have to talk about them and look at them. So. The other positives, I think, was was Jack Crowley. We spoke about, I would have liked to have selected him anyway leading into this game. We're not sure if that would have happened. Um, but it did happen because um, the, the injury to... Ben Healy. Ben Healy. Yeah, Ben Healy wasn't available. So 
you know, if we were putting the two of them together last week, I was saying Jack Crowley. And I thought there was a bit of spark. There was a bit of creativity out of him. And I think he would grow in confidence um, and mature. So I, I thought his performance was really good. Someone who came off the bench and really impressed me was John Hodnett. And every time I see this guy, he's an out-and-out seven. He's powerful. He's a brilliant leg chop tackler. Um, and he's a turnover machine. He is someone that that I was really impressed with. And I suppose the unfortunate thing, Niall Scandal and Damien DLM, they are not available this week. But they, you know, they have, they've got to get better because Wasps beat Toulouse at home at the weekend, missing yeah. a hell of a lot of players. And they come to Thorman Park on Sunday. And if they win Wasps, um, they'll qualify. You know, once they're already qualified. So what's the approach here at Sunday? Is it to be, try and find that little bit of a ruthless side to themselves um, for their own development and to try and get some passes to stick and play a really, get a good performance, more of a, an 80-minute performance out of the team. Um, you know, Wasp are definitely capable of causing them problems. But what was your take, just before we go on to the Wasp game, of Jack Crowley and, and um, your overall impression of him? Yeah, I was, um, you know really pleased with how he played. I, I love the fact that if he has a mistake or two, just his ability to get over it very quickly is just his temperament. He looks like he's loads of time on the ball, which is brilliant. But, you know, there would have been question marks with this young guy coming down to France, you know, and Castor basically targeted him ran down his channel. He was the top tackler for, for Munster uh, on Friday night. Now, it's not something you want. You don't want to pretend tackling the whole time. But his physicality was brilliant. His line speed in defence, um, you know, we'll talk, you know, everybody will be talking about his attacking game, but he's so solid um, in that defensive line that, you know, he doesn't give him any worries. Kicked very well. Um, just, a, yeah, I just think it was a really, really good performance. I'd love to see him back in the mix again next weekend. Yeah, it's good for his confidence that, um, you know, he was in that kind of an environment. So looking ahead to Wasps, um, I did the game at the weekends on Virgin Media and uh, Saturday, and I did I did Wasps commentated for Wasps to lose. I think I thought before the game that this, you know, were, I was trying to figure out would Wasps cause them any problems? Was it going to be a a big scoreline? Um, and and you know you you kind of want to look forward to a game and hope you get a great game of rugby. And I just thought Wasps to lose were going to really overpower them, and and it was going to be one way traffic. But incredibly, it wasn't. That wasn't the case. Wasps ended, Wasps ended up winning the game against all odds with 14 men. Um, did you see it? Um, and what, what kind of an impact will that have on Wasps coming to Thorman Park at the weekend? Yeah, I watched it. I thought it was a, a brilliant performance. I thought um, this back rower, Alfred Bradbury, was just outstanding. Like He is unbelievable. I see he got called up into the English squad for the first time this morning. This young kid who's literally just, I thought he was excellent before he went off injured against Munster in the first game uh, over in Coventry. And um, he's just, you know, a one-man wrecking ball. Um, I thought he was just brilliant. And they play a really good brand. You know, we spoke beforehand before we came on today about Jimmy Goffert and how influential he is. And, they, you know, they still have a huge amount of players injured, but they're still turning up really good performances now. Big thing is, is that you know their consistency. So they've not been very consistent in the Premiership. You know they've were poor against Munster in the first, the first 
uh, game in in Coventry and uh, then win again la- last weekend. But it, it's also a case that you know Toulouse just typical French team um, just didn't turn up to play in a away game in a Champions Cup. So, um, but they're coming to Stoneham Park with a hundred percent knowledge that if they win, that they're going to be in you know in the knockout stages as you said earlier on. Like, what more motivation do you want? Big scalp with Munster, you know they bet them already. Um, and yeah, I think that this is a brilliant opportunity for them. And and if you're Lee Beckett and you're you're running them up for the week, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about how you know they had their own issues in the first game, and nobody spoke about them. Everybody was speaking about Munster and their youngsters, and um, and nobody really gave them their fair dues. I just think that um, they have the potential to be very dangerous, and uh, hopefully, look, it'll be a, a really good game. Does, does does it really? It's a stupid question. Does it really matter if Munster win this? Of course, it matters. Yeah, no, they it matters a lot when he, whatever about wanting to win a game, it matters a huge amount on the back of the last two performances for me. They've got to keep improving. They've got to keep showing continuity, and they've got to go and win because Munster at home in Coleman Park, a, a Champions Cup game, you know, you've got to still hold that rootlessness, that fear that other teams. You know, you have when they come. Like when you played in Thomas Park, right? Back in those big European nights, you have the best teams in the world coming. They just didn't want to be there. Do you know what I mean? They've got to get that back. Um, so I think that it's really important that Munster win this game. So if 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 they have another flat performance on Sunday and get across the line and have four four from four in the pool stages, um, is there an argument? to say, well, that's job done. They've got into round 16. They won't finish top because we know to, uh, Quinns and Toulouse are a point ahead of them. Um, I had the tables done out here. They're a point ahead. Quinns play Cass at home at the weekend. So you'd expect a five, a, a bonus point win there. So that would bring them to 19. Uh, Leicester play Bordeaux at home, who are potentially out of it. They have a chance as well. Um, but you'd imagine Leicester will win with, and get four try bonus point win as well. So that brings them to to nineteen. So if Munster were to get five points, the most they can get to is eighteen points. So finishing third or fourth in the pool um, doesn't. You're not really sure. It's so hard to kind of pick who they possibly would come up against. Um, but I agree with you. I think. Because of the negativity, and I know they're trying to, Johan said this himself, they're trying to block out the outside noise. But, you know, if you check, if you check with people and, and talk to diehard hired monster fans, some of them are, are a little bit blinded by their loyalty and they, they don't want to criticize. Others then are frustrated and a bit angry. Um, so I think they need a performance. Not, not necessarily this brilliant performance that we say everything was perfect. I think they need to get. For themselves, and I think that's what they'll be striving for. Um, and was a real threat on Sunday, and I think that they have a chance themselves of getting into the knockout stages. So it'll be interesting. Would you make any changes to the team? Would you persist with Jack Crowley? Would you bring John Hodnett in? Would you bring Craig Casey in? Thomas Ahern, I thought he's a guy that I just think needs to be in that team because he brings so much energy. He's still a little bit inexperienced for sure and maybe not, doesn't have the same power as 
uh, some seasoned internationals. But would you make any changes to the team? Um, obviously, the case for for John Hodden is is huge because every time he's played over the last, you know, since he's come back from his injury, the Wasps game, um, he's just been absolutely excellent. But um, you know. It's it's a lot to do with balance too, to be fair. And I think, you know, Jack O'Donoghue's, whilst may not get the headlines for the big breaks, does a lot of work on the ground, incredibly good defensively and huge amount of pace. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, it's interesting. I, th- I think John Hodden is brilliant. I'd like to see him in there because I think that's the type of game that, you know, he'll relish. And if you're a Wasps, you know, player or management that played against him in the first round, you see his name on the team sheet, you're going to be thinking, oh God, uh, again, because he, he was he was excellent that day. Um, and and yeah, I like the case for Tom O'Hearn too, to be fair. I think that these guys, it's very difficult. I think it's hard to think about, you know, like Jack Rowley's 22, he's had a handful of, you know, um, appearances for Munster. We talked about Marcus Smith over in Harlequins having a ridiculous amount of um, caps at, at the same age. And I know he's a bit of an outlier, but I just think that we've got to give opportunities to these young lads. I think that... I just think on Jack Crowley, if you go back, and this is no disrespect to Ben Healy, um, all the people up in Nina and North Tipperary will kill me this because I'm a fan of Ben Healy's as well. But I just think Crowley needs to start again. He needs another game. He... He dropped two balls against Ulster in the Ulster game. He dropped the ball the other night where he took his eye off the ball and he's on 22 and it was kicked over to him. So that's something he needs to be better at for sure. But I just think to have the opportunity for him to, to get to the next level and show that, that confidence and that quality that he has, I think you've got to pick him. Just on the John Hazard one, I think, yeah, I'm not advocating to drop anyone because I think um, Jack O'Donoghue reacted really well from a really poor performance in Galway and he was, you know, his reaction off the bench against Ulster and, 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 and at the weekend, Friday night against Cass was, was, was good and he's delivered a lot. But I just think Hodnett brings, he brings that yeah. spark, he brings that energy. Um, Damien Dialinde is a loss, but credit to Rory Scannell, you know, he's had to live in his, the shadow of Dialinde for the big games over the last couple of seasons and uh, I thought he played well and, and I think he's Rory Scannell there's a lot more to Rory Scannell than just crashing the ball up the middle I think he has good hands and uh, so hopefully we get a better performance you know, I think Wasps are going there with a lot of injuries still but they'll be buoyed by the that was an, an incredible result against Toulouse at the weekend with 14 men. And their back row was outstanding. Tom Willis, Brad Shields and Alfie Barbary, who, as you say, has been called up to the English squad. So um, it'll be interesting. And I think we're all craving for at least a 50, 60-minute performance um, against, against Wasps. But the danger is, you know, they just they'll get so much from that Toulouse game and there'll be a bit of an edge to them coming to Thomond Park um, after what happened over in the game in, in, in Coventry in round one. So uh, someone, it's one to look forward to quarter past three on Sunday and hopefully they can they can finish. Um, a couple of other points to talk about um, before we finish. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about RG Snyman last week before the pod because it was it was announced after we did that we did have chats the previous week and um, 
I said that I'd heard positive things about him staying, which I couldn't wait to hear. And when I heard that last week, I just, you know, I genuinely felt this is just, this is what they need. Um, put To put it in context, he's two years he's here, or he's here a year and a half. He's been injured. He's not going to probably play this season. But I just think for him to make a decision to stay, I, I just loved it because um, he had offers to go back to Japan. He had offers in France. Yeah, a lot of a lot of clubs were very, very keen in this guy. I put a tweet up saying that, you know, he was a legend. Well, you can take the legend word in different ways. We often say to our mates, you're a legend this or you're a legend that. But I just meant he is a legend and he'd be remembered for this. And I think... I'd How did the reaction go on Twitter, Quinny, when you called him a legend? Well, some people agreed and some people were, uh, <laughs> some people were obviously querying, uh, how, how is he a legend? Yeah, well, this one guy, a couple of them started naming off the guys who played over 200 times for Munster and won European Cups and all that stuff. But in, it's in different context. He could have left. He's taken a pay cut to stay with Munster. That is the reality could have went back to Japan and said, look, didn't work out. I've got well paid here. I'm gone. Now, Munster did show loyalty as well to him, to offer him this contract and try and keep him. I think everyone believes and wants to see RG Snyman um, play for Munster and get a run, a proper run and show the quality and the world-class talent that he is. But no, I just think it was great news that, that he proper signed. Proper legend. Proper legend. You think he was a legend? What's your <laughs> definition of a legend? Google, um, Google it there. In relation to in relation to monster, it's a, no offense, RG, but it's it's not RG. I'm afraid it's it's Axel, it's Raj, it's Paulie, it's Mick Galway. Um, I'm throwing you into the mix if you're. Oh yeah, you. Okay. Um, that that's my definition. Peter O'Mahony, these guys that are. Um, but I I I actually saw the tweet. I had a giggle, and then I saw the reactions, and I had a proper laugh. But um, yeah, look. You're, you're completely entitled, and I know I you're a huge fan of him. You're, I was you're, kind of fishing a little no, bit. No, you're 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 the biggest fan girl to RG I've ever met before. But um, yeah, look, it's uh, it's brilliant for Munster, brilliant signing, a real statement of intent. I think um, if they can, you know, get him fit and keep him healthy, we saw, you know, in the URC at the start of the season that game he came off the bench and the crowd just got a huge lift from it, and. And then to get the try, which was ridiculous. It was like he had the ball. It was like a potato in his hand. It was so small. Um, so he obviously has X factor. Um, but I think you're right. We won't see him this season. And, and hopefully next season, you know, he can repay the two and, and try and work towards that legendary status that you're no, so keen I, to get. I, I still think he's a legend <laughs> for signing. Um, I, I This guy's been through a lot with the two injuries. And I know what it's like. It's a, it's It can be a tough, tough situation. Um, having those injuries his mum passed away a number of months ago as well and so he's been through a lot and maybe I'm skewed by that a little bit and feeling that compassion and empathy for him because but I just think it's a good sign of his character um, that he said yeah in simple terms I want to repay Munster here and I, I, I want to play I want to show people in Munster and deliver something to that for them before you know, he, he leaves these shores. So I think it's great news. No, it's uh, brilliant. Just on the coaching front, uh, well, Damien Dialenda, it's been speculated that he's gone back to Japan. I think I've seen reports of that in the last couple of days. I think that's that's um, that's pretty evident that he's leaving. Uh, 
can't really fault him because in fairness he's he's played at a very high his performances have been very, very good anytime he's played for Munster. Just on the coaching front, um, it's been announced today that JP Ferreira, the defensive coach, is leaving. Goes back with Johan, which probably in in the scheme of things makes sense that you know he was part of that coaching group. Um he probably has a close affinity with Johan and Really, I think I, it didn't surprise me is what I'm saying. So Munster now have to get a head coach, a backs coach and a defensive coach. Um, did it surprise you in any way or is maybe, maybe is it, and I mean this very respectfully to JP because he's a lovely fella and I think he's done a very good job. Maybe it's good. This one is probably good for both sides that, you know, he would probably be left as part of Johan's legacy and his group that maybe it's best to have a clean cut here at the end of the season as well. Yeah, look, I think ridiculously sound guy. Like, I think you meet and chat to him, he's really good. And I, I think Munster are quite good defensively. Um, but you always get coaches who, you know, align themselves to other coaches, like Razzie and Jack. I think that Johan came with uh, JP and um, so it, it's not really a big surprise that he's going, but I think he's had a huge influence. I think it's it's been understated because we've been so concentrated on Munster's lack of attack at times. Yeah, we, of, we don't, hear, good, we don't what, really hear from him, do we? we never yeah, hear from what him. a good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's very quiet. Um, when I was rehabbing my last injury, being in the gym with him quite a bit in the mornings, and um, a lovely guy, like, really nice. And he's done a really good job. And I think that, to be fair, they're getting a very good defensive coach. Um, but no, I wasn't surprised because they come as a duo. Um, and I think that that's that's not a that's like that's not a you know something that doesn't happen very often. It actually happens quite a bit where you get coaches that come in with their one or two of their own backroom team. And I do think that you know what's coming now in terms of the appointments that come in that head coach, they have the ability then to build their own team around them. You know, they could come with a defensive coach or they could come with somebody that, you know, that they trust and they, they understand and who knows their philosophies. And um, so, yeah, I, I put it, I'm putting it on record. I, I do think that he's done an excellent job. And I think that it's been understated because we've been so concentrated on what's just lack of attack. I think I think they've been very good defensively for, for a lot of uh, JP's term. Yeah, we'll probably hear um, in the next couple of weeks, I think, regarding the head coach, assistant coaches, and now a defensive coach. So um, it's uh, it'll be an interesting time to see where all that goes in the next few weeks. And as you say, the head coach comes in, he might want to bring someone with him. Um, but I think there's... It, it probably... It's no harm in attack, defence, and from a head coach's point of view. These changes are happening. We need something different. We need some energy. We need some new ideas. And we need just someone to, to bring a real positive vibe into the coaching ticket again. And uh, yeah. I think the defensive coach is, is, is really, really, and any defensive coach that I've ever worked with, they're a vital part of, of really motivating a team as well because you yeah. really can build stuff on your actions around whether you have the ball making that tackle or without the ball as well around work rate. So most of them are massive into that. Yeah, defence for me is huge. Defence for me is a huge mental thing. I think that that if you have the ability to 
gets your players to the pitch mentally in terms of enjoying not having the ball, then you know that's a win. So I, I do think that Munster are, are very good without the ball. Yeah. Okay. We've got to leave it there. We'll be back next week with more thoughts and reaction from the return fixture against Wasps. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed um, it's better. But if it's not, um, we'll have to deal with it. And um, they play Zebra then and then obviously the international. So it's going to be this little bit of continuity. Hopefully, um, we can see it a little bit better on Sunday. Don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts and all things Monster throughout the week. And we're sure to get them on next week's podcast. We're definitely going to focus on seeing what your reactions are next week and reading out some of the comments. You can tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 or search for the Rugby Channel on YouTube and leave a comment. Make sure you subscribe to the Red 78 wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see you next week. Cheers, Neve. Thank you. Cheers, Billy. The Monster Rugby Podcast. Red 78 with Adam Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better.